You may be seated. Welcome to HBF. It's good to see you. It's good to see those of you that are with us online. And uh, I uh, pray that you're having a good Sunday. It seems a little dreary out. People are kind of kind of sleepy, I think, a little bit this morning. That was a good praise set. I enjoyed those songs. That was awesome. Good job, guys. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're glad, to, glad to have you here this morning. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from the seat rack in front of you. And we'll be on page 1,269 in those Bibles. Otherwise, we turn to the book of Malachi. Malachi is uh, where we're going to be, chapter 2. It's been a few weeks uh, since we've been there. We spent the last three weeks focusing on our vision for 2021 out of John 3, or John, uh, yeah, John chapter uh, 4, verse 34. And God's calling us to finish His work. And so we took some time talking about that and talking about how important it is to sow and to shepherd and to send and and uh, some of the things that we saw in that text. So we want to be busy when the Lord returns. We want to be about His business, finishing His work. And it doesn't matter if the Lord returns in 24 seconds or 24 you know, hours, 24 years. You know, uh, He's going to come 24 decades. But we need to be ready. We need to be about His business because it's going to make a difference in eternity. And so we want to be about all of that. So what I want to do this morning is just pick us up in chapter 2 in Malachi. It's been a while, and so we're going to... We're going to look back at chapter 2. We're only going to be digesting the first 10 verses this morning of Malachi chapter 2. And uh, just kind of to help, help you remember where we left off, because you've slept since December, if you've been here uh, for the series. We were, we were jumping off, launching in. We got into the first three verses of chapter 2 of Malachi. And God is addressing three questions raised by the Israel, Israelites against him at the conclusion of Malachi chapter 1. And he has a strong statement against deceivers and about his authority in verse 14 of chapter 1. Just to, by way of remembrance, we'll go back and look at that. The Lord says, uh, by way of Malachi, he says, But cursed be the deceiver which hath in his flock a male, and voweth and sacrifices unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. And so the Lord was rebuking the the uh, the priests and the people of Israel uh, and for their sacrifices, which were not really the first fruits. They were given their leftovers, basically. They were just kind of giving the Lord a, you know, they, whatever was left over. And a lot of times it wasn't very good. And uh, they were giving the worst of the flock and not the best. And so he reminded them, hey, guys, you wouldn't give that to your governor. You wouldn't give that to anyone else. Why are you giving it to me? And then he tells them, I'm a great king. And, he, and it's it's amazing that God actually said that, that he had to say that uh, to his people. And, you know, sometimes I think we forget that, that God's a great king. He says, I am a great king. So as we look at our text once again this morning, and we're going we're gonna to bite off the first ten verses, I want to just remember that, what God said to them. Hey, I am a good king, and uh, we need to hearken to what he says. So Malachi chapter 2, and let's look in verse 1. It says, And now, O ye priests... This commandment is for you. So he's talking to the priest directly. If you will not hear, and if you will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, and I have cursed them already, because ye do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will corrupt your seed, and spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feasts. And one shall take, uh, take you away with it. And you shall know that I have sent... This commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me 
in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. So he's actually commending uh, Levi in particular. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, he says, For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should keep the law at his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But ye are departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble out of the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore I have also made you contemptible and base before all people, according as he as ye have not kept my ways, but ye have been partial in the law. Have we not all one Father? Hath not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of our fathers? Heavenly Father, uh, these are questions, Lord, that uh, we really, as we look upon Israel, we're glad that we're not in their shoes. But Heavenly Father, there are questions you ask us uh, every day. Every time we open up your word, Lord, the Spirit of God teaches us. He, he calls us. He reminds us of your great grace and love. We also remember you are a great king. You're the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we'll return with you someday to rule and reign. And that won't be long. And Lord, may we behave ourselves as, as priests and kings, as uh, the Bible calls us kings and priests in Revelation, uh, a holy priesthood, a peculiar people in Peter. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that we would uh, kind of take what's being said and, and really apply it to our own hearts in the New Testament as, as really the, the words that we have in our mouth are so important and what comes out of the heart and, and what people hear Lord, is going to reflect really what's in our heart. And I pray, God, that we would take your word very seriously, that we would not have spiritual heart decay as the nation of Israel seemed to have. Oh, Lord, I pray, God, a blessing on the, the reading and the hearing of your word. I pray, God, that on a kind of a dreary Sunday morning, Lord, that the light of Christ would shine, that it'd be bright in here, Lord, that it'd be like a sunny day on the beach as far as the word of God's concerned. Lord, I pray you would illuminate our understanding, that you would encourage us in our hearts, Lord, that we would go out of here in uh, just a very... Uh, much like we just sang, Lord, magnifying the Lord and giving you glory and honor. We thank you, we praise you, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can stay seated because <laughs> you never stood. I was going to have you stand, and then I was like, well, they just stood, so I'm going to have you sit. So, okay, so we're in, Ma- we're in Malachi chapter 2, verse 4, and uh, we, we will see in this chapter that the call of worship must not be forsaken. Before we unpack all that this morning, I want to be kind and rewind as Alan Shelby would say, and kind of review what we saw in chapter 2 because uh, it's been a while since we've been there. So on December 27th, uh, we started, uh, on December 27th, we started the service celebrating some of the great things that God had done. Some of you may remember that back in December 27th, and we had everybody say, you know, who got saved and who got baptized and, and, and who had new children. By the way, we have new babies in the house, praise the Lord. Uh, not in the house, maybe, but we have a couple members with new babies this week, so that's awesome. Uh, new people getting saved, new people, new families getting started, people getting married. We had all these things we celebrated because the year's kind of like, oh, 2020. It's like, you know, it's going to live in infamy. But the reality is, was we looked at it and we're like, man, God's doing some things. And God is always doing some things. He's always moving he's, and he's, uh, he's blessing his people. And so many were saved, baptized, discipled. We saw God add uh, to families, grow ministries, and in the midst of a difficult season uh, for our nation and for the world. And it was difficult for our church. So, and it's difficult for your family oftentimes. <clears throat> so God gave us grace to get the word of God where it needs to go on time. We were still able to, to keep a lot of the things that God wanted us to do as far as BBS and Bible publishing. We talked about all that. That was awesome. So we need to continue, remember, to pray for that. Just yesterday, we had Bibles going out the door. Uh, they were getting, they're assembling Bibles. A lot of people showed up. Appreciate everybody that got involved in that. That's also why you're a little weary today. Be not weary in well-doing. 
But uh, man, praise God for that. Uh, actively getting the Word of God where it needs to go by God's grace on time. And so uh, we've seen God do a lot of cool things. And as we launch, launch into 2021, uh, what we need to remember is that God has a heart for His people. He has a heart for the world. Next week, that's what we're going to celebrate on the fifth Sunday. We celebrate God's heart for the church, God's heart for the world. Not always in that order, but we get together, and that's what we focus on. And, um, and it's always a, a good time. And then we celebrate the Lord's Supper, because after the Lord's Supper, what did God do? He sent his disciples out, right? Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Well, he first he prayed and he died on the cross. But after that, he, after his resurrection, he gathered them up, he gave them the commission, and they went. And he commanded them to continue to go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've said to them, right? And, and so he says, lo, I'll be with you even till the end of the world. So until Jesus comes, we need to be busy about making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, which, by the way, our next baptism comes up in a few weeks in February, so you might be praying about that if you've recently been saved. Um, and next week, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. So our hearts really need to be right, which is why we're in Malachi, because that was really the problem with Malachi, or not with Malachi, but with Israel, is that they knew all the stuff. They even made deals with God, but they never they weren't doing it. They just literally were not, they weren't into it. Their heart wasn't there. And so there's a lot to be thankful for when we think about it, and there's even more to look forward to. And as we look at chapter 2 of the book of Malachi, we're reminded that even in the worst times, God is actively working to reveal his love to his people. Isn't that nice to know? So let's review a few things. First, there's a couple things we're going to learn. This week we're still focusing on we must be faithful to God's word. If we don't want to get spiritual heart disease, um, we've got to be faithful to God's word. The second thing is we've got to be faithful to our word. We're gonna, we'll get into that next week. Uh, well, actually, we'll get in that in a couple weeks from now. So in, in the time we have left, let's continue to look at the first things that we need to do to avoid spiritual heart disease. We already saw uh, that the need to be faithful to God's word implies that we need to faithfully hear God's word. And we saw that God's commandment is for you in Malachi 2.1. Um, it's not just to the Old Testament saints, it's to us. And there's also consequences for selective listening, right? Sometimes when God says something and we turn him off, well, there's consequences, and we saw that in Malachi 2, uh, 2 and 3. We just read that. Uh, he says, I will corrupt your seed, and I will spread, and he will spread dung upon your faces, even the dung of your solemn feasts, and uh, one shall take you away, away with it. I spent a lot of time on that, so go back and listen to that message. Uh, there's a lot of information in that. And so it was so important, right, that they, they understood there's consequences to disobedience, uh, just like we teach our children. And so we need to faithfully keep God's word if we're not going to get, have spiritual heart disease. We need to make our calling and election sure. Second Peter 1.10 tells us that. Levi re- received uh, a commendation for keeping his word. I just read that. You know, Levi, uh, God's real happy with Levi. He's like, man, I've, Levi was great, and I just need you to do what Levi did. Uh, and and I, I wanted you to notice that connection between that. Uh, last time we preached, I had a lot of volume, so it's kind of kind of may have bogged down a little bit there, but in verses, in verses, uh, uh, in verse five there, he says, my covenant was with him, Levi, of life and peace, and I have, and I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. The law, the law of truth was in his mouth and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and did turn away many from iniquity. Now, this is a commendation of, of Levi. We'll look at the historical aspect of it from Exodus 32 here in just a moment. 
But also, last time we met in this passage, I spent a lot of time on the last part of chapter 3 where it says, And one shall take you away with it. And I laid out how uh, the tribe of Dan had, uh, had sowed seeds, along with Ephraim, uh, that led Israel into idolatry. And they were worshiping um, idols. And, and that didn't catch up to them for many, many, many years. Well, it did. It, it just it was like cancer. And it just eventually, it really caused a lot of problems as they went into captivity. And so we want to continue in Levi's example. Levi did the right thing. And so, um, so if you have your Bible, uh, we're, in, we're in verses 6 through 7. And, and the, the next point on your outline is we need to make sure we faithfully communicate God's word. Because that's exactly what Levi did. They faithfully communicated God's word. In the text that we just read, uh, you may remember that back on the 27th, uh, I went into some detail describing the, that subtle prophecy that I just mentioned from Malachi 2.3 about someone taking them away. Now, that, hasn't, that is not talking about Nebuchadnezzar because that historically is already in the past. Right? So what, what is he talking about? Someone's going to take you away with your feasts at the end of Malachi in verse 3 there, or in chapter 2 and verse 3. And one shall take you away with it. Well, God was referencing, the, 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 uh, again, that nasty, uh, poor quality sacrifice of the solemn feast that was, was good for nothing. He considered it to be dung, to be cast out and buried outside the camp. But in contemporary terms, the sacrifice and the solemn feast was, you know, if you had it on your phone, it would be that poop emoji, right? That's, that's what he's like saying, this is what I think of that. It's just not worth anything. It's a pile. So God was not only using a vivid metaphor. He's like, Brian, that's awful crass to say from the pulpit. It is. But you know what? God's the one saying, that's what your solemn feasts are like. They're like dung. That's, I'm not saying that. That's what God says. He, he's not talking about literal dung. He's saying that's, they're as good as dung. Ew. But you don't have to elaborate on that much more, preacher. Be quiet. All right. So God was not using that metaphor just for the fun of it. Um, he was also alluding to the prophecy of the desolation of Jerusalem. In 70 A.D., there would be a dispersion of the nation of Israel from 70 A.D. to 1948. Why? Well, because the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, appeared. He broke his silence. He came to this earth. He manifests himself to the leadership of Israel. And they chose not to worship him. Right, And then, of course, uh, they were literally taken away. They were taken out of Israel and dispersed until 1948 when God brought them back. Also, there's a dual prophecy to that. I, I spent some time showing you a lot of information about Dan and talking about Dan and his inheritance and his part in that and, and how the sin of Dan that was started all the way back in Judges when they brought that, that Ephraimite priest along, a preacher for hire, so to speak, and they started their own religion, and then they ended up establishing that in Israel and then in the tribe of Dan, in the city of Dan. And then later on, uh, Jeroboam would get in on that because he was jealous of the authority of Rehoboam and split the kingdom. And you had 10 tribes to the north and you had Judah and Benjamin to the south. And, and this schism would go on until, well, until the Assyrian captivity, this, this, this false religious system was being uh, continued in this, in this, uh, this really disobedience to God. Because God commanded them. He wanted them initially to worship at Shiloh, and then he wanted to worship in Bethel, then he wanted to worship in Jerusalem. I mean, God was clear. That's where you worshiped where the tabernacle was at. And then when there was the temple, you worshiped there. That's how it was supposed to go. But they wanted to do their own thing. It's kind of like Laodicea, right? A lot of people today are like, you know what? I'm just going to do my own thing. You know, I remember just about 15, 20 years ago reading books about that, that by 
supposedly Christian authors, who I'm not going to tell you their names because you know who they are, saying, you know, church really is irrelevant. We just need to, we can do it on the golf course, you know, all of this stuff. And they don't really understand biblically what God has established. We do it the way God called us to do it because this is the way God called us to do it, right? We exalt God. We exalt the word of God. We keep the ordinances. We baptize. We do all that. We assemble together, uh, Hebrews 10, 25, regardless. And now we're being tested on it, right? And that's what we do because that's what God called us to do. So Israel was like, well, you know, we, 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 want, we want to do some synchronism or syncretism. Syncretism is where you worship God here, but you worship another God over there. Uh, that's pretty convicting, I think, because I think a lot of us do that. Um, you know, it's not like they quit going to church. They still went to church, but when the crops came in, they threw, a, they threw a little love over here to the pagan God of Babylon, Baal or whatever, you know, whichever God they wanted. And so it's sort of like when you like go to India, right? You got Mary, you got you know Vishnu, you got you got all these gods, and they're just or Brazil. It's you see these multiple gods, and they just they just synchronize them all together. Well, God's like, no, we're not doing that either, because I, there's only one God, and it's me. And so really, what God he wants is he does, he wants our undivided attention. He wants our heart. He wants us, and he's shown us his love by giving his son on the cross. He loves us so much. So Israel, get back to my notes here, They're, they got judged as a nation in 7, 740 B.C., 722, about that almost 20 years, just the Assyrians came in and just took them into captivity, the northern tribes, and eventually uh, fi- finished the job, took their, their, uh, their, their capital city, so to speak, of the ten tribes, 722, the chief city was taken, and they were all together in captivity, dispersed. And then in 606 B.C., uh, Israel, uh, Judah, Jerusalem, was taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar. And the idolatry of Dan and the, the priests for hire and judges and its impact, you know, took sec- 600 years to really come to full fruition. That's a long clock. But God finally judged it. And I point out that God does, does not mention Dan in Revelation chapter 7, verses 5 through 8, when he's mentioning all those tribes. I preached on that last last month, but... The tribe has no. The tribe that had no physical inheritance, uh, Levi ended up replacing Dan, and Joseph uh, replaced was the one who replaced Ephraim. And so, there's a practical lesson in the New Testament for us Christians this morning, and that is that we can't. We're never going to lose our. If you're born again, you're not going to lose your salvation. But man, you can really mess up your inheritance. You can mess it up big. And so it's important that we don't lose heart and we don't lose our heart to the things of this world because we can lose our inheritance. And in Malachi 2, verses 4 and 5, God is letting Israel know for, for, the time, for time and eternity, he's making a point here as he wraps up the, the end of the Old Testament. And he says, Levi, don't miss it. Levi is my priest. These are the guys I've chosen and this is why I've chosen them. Don't miss it because this is who I want to bless. And ye shall know, he says in verse 4, I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. Now, if you're reading that, you may ask, well, when did Levi fear before God's name? That's, that's a great question to ask. That's what I'm asking. And so that, that's a good question to ask. That occurred in the wilderness of sin in, in Exodus 32 and verses 25 through 29. After Moses came down from Mount Sinai, 
I think you've probably, many of you older folks have seen Charlton Heston do that, you know, and he comes down and he gets all fired up and he, boom, he breaks the Ten Commandments because Aaron and her, they're down there allowing all kinds of things going on. Uh, they built the altar or the, uh, the, the golden image, uh, the calf, and they all were worshiping, having a, a rock, rock festival, you know, kind of crazy party. And so he gets fired up and he breaks the Ten Commandments and he asks the men to make a decision. Now that's what you may not remember. Exodus 32 and verse 27, he, he, he says, hey guys, you got to make a decision because this isn't going to go any further. Moses isn't playing. And he said unto them, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, put every man his sword by his side and go in and, and out from gate to gate throughout the camp and slay every man his brother and every man his companion and every man his neighbor. Now, this is after he'd made a call. He comes in, he, he gets fired up, breaks the Ten Commandments and says, this is going to stop. Either you're with us or against us. Make a decision right now. Well, evidently, not everybody decided to go with Moses. But somebody did, and that was Levi. Levi did according to the word of Moses. And there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. For Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon uh, his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. That's where God gave the blessing to Levi. Because they dealt with sin, they, 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 they went with Moses and they obeyed the Lord. In Malachi 2, verses 5 and 6, God is speaking to the fidelity of the tribe of, the, the tribe of Levi had with God in his word in spite of Aaron's apathy while Moses was on Sinai. And so in Malachi 2, verses 5 and 6, he says, My covenant was with him of life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear upon which he feared me, and was afraid before my name. So God says that the Levites, Levi's tribe, they feared my name. And they did the right thing. The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and did turn many away from iniquity. Now that was always what God wanted for Levi. They were the ones that were responsible for the tabernacle in the wilderness, the temple in the New Testament. Uh, you have Aaron, of course, the priesthood. Worship was, that's what it was all about, was worship. In the center of Israel's life was this tabernacle as they were on the move. Uh, when they got to, got to Jerusalem, of course, it was stationary. It was a temple. But in the center of the nation, whether they were in transit or whether they were parked in Jerusalem, was the worship the activities. And God established that, and it was important that worship was going on. But that was what was being competed with, was worship. And guys, I'm just telling you today, there's not a better time to consider who do we really worship. And one of the things that he, he mentions is that what's coming out of his mouth. Truth is in his mouth. Iniquity was not found in his lips. Truth was in his mouth. Iniquity was not found in his lips. So if we follow Levi's faithful example, right? if we want to look at our hearts and say, man, do we have a good heart? Are we going to be what God wants us to be? Truth needs to flow from our mouth when we have hid God's word in our heart, right? Truth isn't going to come out of our mouth if it's not in our heart. If our hearts aren't right with God, if our hearts aren't true with God, our truth isn't going to come out. In Malachi 2 and verse 6, that's what he's speaking to. Truth was in his mouth, iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. Not only was truth found in his lips... But because of the truth that was in his lips, many were turned away from iniquity. 
he, he was able to say things that allowed people to be free from the bondage of sin. And beloved, that is really what we do, isn't it? We take the truth of God's word about Jesus Christ and we preach and we speak the gospel in a way that people can be free from the bondage of sin and death. Now in Luke 6, 45, this is a verse many of you know. It says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good, that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. You know what I've never noticed until I was preparing this message, by the way, just a side note to the sermon, is it says an evil man out of the evil treasure. When we think of treasure, we always think of something valuable, and it is. But in that, in that analogy that Jesus gives, in that example, he says, you know, there's, there's a good treasure and there's an evil treasure. You know, there's, there's things that seem valuable to us that just are not valuable to God. And, and there's things that are valuable to God that we should treasure in our hearts. You know, th- there's a treasure of his heart that bringeth forth that which is evil. The value judgment is placed on the person that beholds it is, what, is really what I'm pointing out. God's not making a judgment on it being evil or not. He just says the evil, there's a, there's a good treasure, and then there's a, they're both treasures. There's an evil treasure. They, one produces something good, one produces something evil, but they're both treasured. The, the person who has it in their heart values it. And that's really, that's, that's pretty interesting to me. I was looking at that going, wow, that's, that's kind of, that's wild. Now, obviously, whatever you're putting in your heart, if it brings forth evil, is, is evil. But the, the point is, is, is that for the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. It's really, what is the person's heart focused on? What is it treasuring up? What is it, what is it collecting in? What is valuable to them? What do they find valuable? The law of truth was in Levi's mouth because, well, it was in his heart. And that's why we place a priority on Scripture memorization in Discipleship 1, because we want to get the Word of God in our head, but also we pray that it gets in our heart. And that's what happens when you start to use the Word of God. It really settles into the heart. It's not just knowing it up here. It's like when you need to call upon the Word of God because you actually need a promise from God. You need to know. I was just, I'm doing some D1 with a couple, and I was in, in a, an example of that for me was I was giving a testimony, 1 John five thirteen. You know, I knew the Word of God. I knew I had John, First uh, John five thirteen memorized, and uh, and that was good. But about a year, year and a half into my salvation, I got into some spiritual warfare, and then God brought that back around to me, and then I used it, and I needed it in my heart to settle. And God like dropped it, man, into my heart, and then I had this beautiful assurance that I, I never had, never has left me. Right? It was the difference from knowing God's Word to really having to use and apply, cling hold on to treasure would be a good treasure God's word right and I think we're all you know we're all like that we all may know a lot of scripture some of you may not know any scripture but it's okay if you don't know a lot of scripture as long as you treasure what you know because I know I guarantee there's a lot of scripture I know I don't treasure like I ought right so having knowledge alone we know Paul told the Corinthians that'll puff you up but charity is going to build you up right charity comes from a heart that is applying truth, all right? So, so Psalm 119, verse 11 tells us, Thy word have I hid in mine heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. The value of hiding the word in our heart is a relational value, isn't it? It's because we treasure God's word. We know it will keep us from the things our flesh wants to do. We don't deceive ourselves. Oh, I'm so good, I'll never do that. Are you kidding me? Or none of us are so good that we'll never do that. It's the word of God that we treasure in our heart that keeps us from doing that. It's the Word of God that keeps us straight. 
It's the word of God that convicts us and, and keeps us and speaks to us. You guys are tracking with me. And that's what was lacking with Malachi. They knew the information, but they still weren't doing it because they didn't value their relationship with God Almighty. And so this is why reading and praying over Scripture is so important. If we don't put the Word in our hearts, the Holy Ghost will have, won't have the resources it needs to teach, our, teach us how to mind it. He won't, he won't have that. Now, John 14, 26, another familiar passage. We use this in our discipleship very, uh, as well. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He's promising this after his resurrection. It happened in Acts chapter 2. He shall teach you all things and bring how many things? All things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, how did the disciples... How, he's talking about his disciples here. He's not just talking about everybody. He's, talking, he's praying for his disciples. He's speaking to his disciples. Later on, he prays for his disciples. But he's speaking to his disciples, and he's telling them, hey... Whatsoever I've said to you, God will bring back to your remembrance because I'm going to send the whole, I'm going to go up, the Holy Ghost is going to come down, and He's going to teach you all things. Whatsoever I've said to you. Okay. Well, he did, they don't know what He said if they didn't have a relationship with Him. He didn't do that for the Pharisees, maybe Nicodemus, because Nicodemus was listening, right? But for the bulk of them, they missed it. They weren't listening, they weren't having a relationship with Him. He's talking to his disciples. Who's going who's gonna to get a hold of what God has for him? The people who listen for his word. right? The people who let this mind be in them, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, that's a mindset, of course, in Philippians chapter 2, but it's also we have the mind of Christ. We have the words of God. If you want God's words, you've got them. Now, did the disciples always understand what Jesus was saying when he talked to them? Nope. Matter of fact, it was quite mysterious, <laughs> quite often. But that didn't keep them from communion with him. It didn't keep them from following him, right? It, you don't have to understand everything from Genesis to Revelation. I'm, I'm your pastor. I'm telling you right now, I don't understand everything from Genesis to Revelation right now. But it doesn't, doesn't trouble me in the least because I totally know Jesus. And I, I believe what he says. He's proven it. I mean, it's... it's I, why, I don't need to know everything. I'm not God. All I need to know, I'm like a soldier. I, I'm on a need-to-know basis. And uh, I just keep talking to him and communing with him, and then the Holy Ghost tells me what I need to know. And that's what I communicate. That's what we need to be doing with God. So, so what Jesus said to us is contained in Philippians 2.5. Like I said, let this mind be in you. So no iniquity was found in Levi's lips. In John 4, 1, 47, the Bible says, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite, indeed, in whom is no guile. He sees Nathaniel and says, Hey, here's an Israelite that doesn't have any guile. That's pretty, that's pretty high praise. Jesus is looking for those disciples who, who don't have guile in their lips because it's been dealt with in the heart. If you don't have guile in your lips, it's not because you just don't have guile in your lips. It's because you've already de you're dealing with it in the heart. That's just practical. You can take that to the bank. If you see a man that doesn't have guile, that doesn't mean someone doesn't have guile in their heart. Okay, you don't know the heart. I don't know the heart. But I can tell you this. If there's a man that we find without guile in his lips, it's because he's doing the work of the heart. He's purging his heart. He's keeping the word of God flowing through his heart. And uh, man, praise God for that. So we should follow Jesus' example. In 1 Peter 2, the Bible says, for uh, in, in chapter, 20, or chapter 2 and verse 21, 
He says, For even here in two we are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Man, Jesus didn't have any guile in his mouth. He didn't sin. Of course, you're like, well, he's Jesus. Well, okay, he is Jesus. But what did Jesus say about Nathaniel? What did Jesus say about Levi? That's right. That's a pretty high praise. And so if we're not loving God's word, we're going to have some problems in this. There's a reward for allowing the word to purify our hearts and our minds and our mouth. And I'm just saying, I know, there's not a one of us that probably, the tongue, man, the tongue can get away from any of us. And we all are subject to it. So you're like, man, Brian, I'm getting ready for the Lord's Supper. I'm perfectly clean. Well, we probably all could do this, you know, adjust this area of our life all the time because it's, it's a battle. It's a battlefield. Now, in 1 Peter 3.10, the Bible says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile, that they don't speak guile. So if we're not loving life and seeing good days, perhaps we should examine what's been coming out of our mouth. For it will reveal what's been meditating, what we've been meditating upon in our hearts. And we could probably just park the car right there. But man, you're like, practically, you could walk out of here today. That'll improve your life. If, if we apply God's word, we say, you know what, God? My life isn't very good. I want to change it. One of the things we can do without doing anything else is, is make a commitment to, to learning God's word, learning what God says, and meditating upon that in our heart, allowing his mind to be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. It will affect the way we speak, the way we, we, we talk, the way we communicate, not just verbally, but really with our life. And that will affect your life. You will have a better life. This is, I'm not trying to be uh, Joel Osteen here, but that's what the Bible tells you. The Bible tells you right there, man, that you can have... If you're going to love life and see good days, your tongue is going to have a big part in that. You can't control your lips. You can't control your mouth. You're going to have problems. Where was I? I was with my, my daughter. Some guy was up at Price Chopper one day. And me and my, my daughter were going in for something. And this idiot stick, he's, he's just, some lady almost hit him going across you know, that walkway there. And, okay. It was wrong. She shouldn't have done it. But this guy, and if you're here today, I'm sorry. But you're an idiot. And so he just blows up. You know, and he just starts screaming and making a rear end out of himself. And, and all of a sudden, his wife just walks away. I mean, she doesn't want to be anywhere around this guy. Why? Because, yeah, he was wrong. But now he wants everybody in Price Chopper to know it. And he's yelling at a lady, for goodness sake. I mean, what are you going to go, beat up some lady, man? And Elizabeth is just looking at me. And I'm just like, he doesn't have Jesus in his heart, honey. And if he does, I, don't, I didn't see it. So the Lord is commanding his messengers to seek the law at his mouth as well. It's not just about what was coming out of Levi's mouth. Look down in verse 7. It says, For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. And so, man, we should, be, we should be keeping the word of God in our lips, and the Lord ought to be speaking through our lips, and God should be working through our, our mouths. To seek the law at his mouth. The opening verse of Malachi 2.1, let's just remember that again. It says, Oh, <clears throat> now, O ye priests, this commandment, <laughs> this bud's for you. No, this commandment's for you. 
This commandment's for you, priests. This is coming to you, particularly. And uh, God wants the Levites to behave as the, <clears throat> as the tribe of Levi in Exodus 32, verses 25 through 29. And this is a command to the priest. It's not a suggestion. Right? He's not saying, well, you know, if you feel like it. He's like, no, th- this is who you guys are. This is what you're supposed to be doing. <clears throat> it's not an elective. Honoring Christ for Christians is not an elective. That's what we do. Now, I get it. Baby Christians are carnal, 1 Corinthians 3. All kinds of grace, all kinds of patience, all kinds of love. But you know what? Once you know the Word of God, you've been through the Word of God, you've been through discipleship one, discipleship two, you're active in ministry, man. I have no excuses. I mean, really. This is, we, we ought to act like Christ. That's why our names are Christian. All right, so there's a reason the Levitical priesthood prepared the troops for battle. Think about that. In Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 2, I don't have time to go back and read it. I wish I did. I love that passage because God uses the, tr- the, the priesthood to prepare. He uses priests to prepare the troops. Well, that does make some sense, doesn't it? Number one, you're on, especially in the Old Testament, you're fighting for the Lord's army, literally, when it comes to the nation of Israel. Um, but also... There could be a man die. You want to be right with the Lord. You want to be right with your nation. You want to be right with God. You know, so there's a lot of reasons. But, but in Psalm 149 and verse 6, the Bible says, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. You know what he wanted his warriors to do? He wanted the high praises before their sword, right? This is my weapon. This is my gun, right? Before their sword, before their AR, before their M16, before their whatever, before their, 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 their government issue sword, what he says, I need the high praises of God to be in their mouth and a sharp two-edged sword in their hand. That's why he brought, he brought the priests out. Why? Because he needed to set their mind on what's, where their power comes from. Where does the victory come from? It comes from God. Yeah, you might need a sharp two-edged sword, but at the end of the day, what you really need is God. And Israel proved that over and over and over again. So many times we go out in this world, we go into this life in the power of our own flesh. And we got our knowledge, our, 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 we've got this acumen, we know all this information about our vocation because we spent years doing it, learning it, studying it. It's, it's, it's our very nature. We can do it with our eyes closed. We can dream about it. We, can, we know all this stuff, but yet we stop and we don't go, God, wait, I, I'm forgetting the high praises of God in my mouth. Being successful at work isn't about being successful at work if the high praises of God are not in your mouth. He'll use what's in your hand, whatever it is. But man, it starts with the high praises of God in our mouths and a, and a heart for God, and then everything else will flow from that. So we as kings and priests are God's messengers. We are God's Micahs. We are, or, uh, I'm sorry, Malachi's, I should say. The final words of grace that will be, think about this, the final words of grace that are going to be offered in this dispensation, they're going to roll off of your lips, and my lips. That's crazy. I was thinking, thinking about, man, the high praises of God and the sharp two-edged sword. We know that in Ephesians 6, this is a sharp two-edged sword. You know what? The last words of grace that are going to flow out of the lips of the church, they're going to flow out of our lips. You may be the last person to lead someone to Christ before they're catching away. You may be that maybe you're the last preacher. Maybe, maybe this is the last generation, right? So you're the last. The, the grace of God is going to flow out of your lips Oh my goodness, may the high praises of God be in our hearts 
so that the praise of God comes forth from our lips and that the grace of God flows. Because after this dispensation, man, it's back to the, it's back to the old, old uh, mosaic for about seven years, and it's not going to be pretty. So this is why we, we must know our Bibles and not just know about our Bibles. Though there's nothing wrong with learning about your Bible. We're all about that at Heartland. The pastors in this church have a lot of responsibility. You know what? The pastors in this church, they go from cleaning the toilets, literally, to mowing the lawn, filling up the baptism tank, caring for the souls of the body of Christ. But at the end of the day, the most important thing that any man or woman, doesn't matter if you're a pastor or not, but especially if our we're pastors are like, man, we've got to be listening to God. We've got to, be, we've got to have God's mind and God's, most importantly, God's heart because we're leading people and fulfilling God's mission. It's so important. The man of God must rightly divide God's word if we're to rightly apply God's word. Every member of the body is important, and everyone, and, and even if you never teach a Bible study at HBF or lead an adult Bible fellowship or anything like that, man, I tell you what, God can still be exalted in your heart, and God can still use your lips in your life to magnify him. That should be, that should be what happens in everybody who names the name of the Lord, man. Depart from iniquity. And follow Jesus Christ. Follow his words. Let the Holy Ghost teach you all things whatsoever he has said to you. Even if you're illiterate. And I know we may have a few people in our congregation we, since our first day till now. Some folks that can't always even read. But you know what? God is able to get the word of God into our hearts. Man, we'll help you with that. All right? So we don't want to have heart disease. So here's another thing that we, we want to not do. And that's this. We want to forsake uh, corrupting God's word. We don't want to be those that would corrupt God's word. Because you see that in the text, God's happy with Levi. He's pretty happy. He's like saying, Levi's my man. I made a covenant with him. He did what I said. This is a great example. So don't, don't do what the, the folks were doing during the time of Malachi in, verse, in verses 7 and verses 8 through 10. But ye are departed out of the way. The way of what? The way that Levi was doing it. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore I have also made you contemptible and base before the people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law. Have we not all one father? Hath not God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of our fathers? Now, he's going to have a lot more to say about that before we're done. But today I'm not going to touch into all that. But let me just make it practical. Number one, don't depart out of the way. Don't depart out of the way. He tells them, you've departed out of the way. If you want to have a good heart, you want to, have, you want to be able to stand and, have good, and make sure that you're not you know, having heart disease, don't depart out of the way. Make a decision not to depart out of the way. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Man, that's a powerful verse. Proverbs 4.10 says, Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. Obey God's word. Hear it. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be, or shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou uh, shalt not stumble. Psalms 18.33, He maketh my feet like hinds feet, and setteth me upon high places. David said, My God is able to keep my feet like a deer. Man, I can, I can just, I can run and not be weary, right? I can war and not be faint. Why? Because the word of God. When, when we do stumble, and we all do, God will keep us if our hearts are right with his word. In Psalm 37, 23, the Bible says, The steps of a good man 
are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Of course, Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God. He's the right hand. And I tell you what, God doesn't look kindly upon his children placing stumbling blocks in the way of their brothers. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 3, the Bible says, Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. And and he goes on to talk about a stumbling block. I gave you the wrong reference there. But you don't want to set a stumbling block before your brother. Romans chapter 14 speaks to that. And so we want to make sure that we're not doing that, that we're not putting obstacles in the way. Don't become a stumbling block. In verse 8, he says, You have caused many to stumble. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi. When the Pharisees rejected the Lord Jesus Christ at his first coming, they stumbled over the rock, and they were crushed. Fulfilling Isaiah 28, 13, that says, But the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. When the word was made flesh and dwell among them, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Having the word with them was not enough. They had to obey the word. They had to receive the word. They had to honor the word. They had to give God his glory. They would not do that. And when that is presented, when this book, when the, when the word of life is presented, and we put it aside, when we count it as, as like they did the manna in the wilderness, as though it was something that was not a blessing of God, what happens is you stumble over it. And in the case of Israel, it crushed them. Don't corrupt the covenant of God's people. Don't corrupt the covenant of God's people. Malachi 2, 8, 9. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi. It goes on to say, I've made you contemptible. We become contemptible when we corrupt the covenant of God's people. This passage is referring to the covenant relationship that they have with God. The church has a New Testament. The church has the New Testament, which is Jesus' testament in his blood. So we don't inherit, by the way, This is a really important principle. Since I'm preaching from the Old Testament, we don't inherit the covenant promises to Israel. Remember that. Uh, The covenant promises to Israel through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Moses, and the prophets um, is what God is speaking of here. But it's interesting because the Greek word used for covenant 20 times in the New Testament is also translated testament. And and it's uh, 13 times it's in relation to the New Testament. And so we do have a New Testament, a new covenant, and that New Testament is in Jesus' blood. And so the Roman Catholic Church and many Protestant churches, do they claim the promises of Israel, their covenants. That's, they steal their priesthood, and they pervert with pagan practices. They pervert that priesthood, just like the Old Testament Jews did, and the Danites and, and the folks from uh, and Ephraim. And so the same type of patterns that have gone on in history past, have been going on, they're going on in history present by thieves that are robbing the covenant of Israel to this day. I mean, right now, that's happening. But you know, we know better than that because God has given us his word. and He's taught us all things whatsoever he said to us. Now, I may lose some of you here, but those of you that are tracking with me, remember that in Romans 9 through 11 and Hebrews, God makes it abundantly clear that God still has a plan for Israel as a nation. And I've already touched on some of those obstacles that they're going to face in returning to a proper standing with their Abrahamic covenant. But one of the obstacles they should never face is the church. Hey, Israel still needs Jesus as Lord and Savior, just as much in the last century as they did in the first century. I'm not advocating anybody here go back and try to find their righteousness in fulfilling the law of Moses. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, however, is you also don't want to get in the way of the nation of Israel. 
because God's still working something out with them. He still has covenant promises for them that he wants to fulfill. So as we read in Malachi, the last words to, to them in the Old Testament, they're still, value, they're still valuable today because he still has business to tend to with the nation of Israel. So we should not get in their way. <clears throat> we should preach the gospel and leave it at that and let God take care of his people. It's because of a proper regard for the Bible, studying and rightly dividing the word of God, that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ discerns the distinction of God's promises to us and the promises to Israel. And if we don't believe, and that also gets into having a dispensational view of the Bible. I'm using big words out here, but listen, if you don't rightly divide God's word, you're not going to rightly apply God's word. And before you know it, in the course of human events, you will become a stumbling block in the very things that I'm talking about, the very things that God has preserved in his word. This is no joke. This is no game. Beloved, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has to be running in the right lane. A dispensational view of the Bible, rightly dividing the word of truth, is not an option. Because when we deviate from that, what ends up happening is we become a problem for God's program. We become part of the problem instead of part of the solution. So if we don't believe God's word, we won't rightly divide it or we won't rightly apply it. And then we become just like the Levites, or not like the Levites, but like the Levites during the time of of Malachi who were not living up to what the standard that God established was. God needed them to keep his word, to have the words of God flowing from their hearts, from their lips, because they honored God's word. So this is what you need to do. I've given you a lot of don'ts. Isn't that a bummer? When you're a kid, you're like, don't, 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 don't. Well, hey, this is what we can do. Do love your brother as yourself. In verse 10, he says, Have we not all one Father? Hath not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of our fathers? Now Israel has one father, and that's Abraham, Isaiah 51.2. Look unto Abraham your father, unto Sarah that bare you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. The Jews understood Abraham was their father. In John 8.39, they argued with Jesus. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, if, if ye were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. They also understood that God was their father as a nation. In John 8, 41, ye do the deeds of your father. When they said, Then they said unto him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. The only problem was they understood Abraham was their, was their father. They under, biologically, they understood God was the father in heaven, but they rejected his son. We who are saved have one father and it's god ephesians 4 4 there's one body one spirit even as you're called in one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all god asked the question why do you profane your father by treating your brother treacherously that's how he ends in verse 10 why are you, why are you profaning me by treating your brother treacherously we already saw that God was referring to what he was referring to several weeks ago in our introduction to Malachi. After ending the book of Ezra with a decision to put away their, their wives <clears throat> that were, were pagans that they should have never taken to begin with, those, those Jews made a covenant with God that they would follow his word, that they would continue to, to follow him. And then less than a decade later, they're intermarrying again, they're introducing pagan worship back into the household of faith, and they're discarding the promises they made to God. They were not loyal to God. They were not loyal to one another. And when we're not loyal to God, we're not loyal to one another. And that's a great place to draw to a close today because we're preparing our hearts for next week to take the Lord's Supper. And any time we gather like this, 
Um, it's, a, it's a great time. By the way, I don't want, we should be joyful. The Chiefs are going to play. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that's not where we find our joy, although I know we'll enjoy that maybe. But the reality is this. Really, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so when we come together this next week, let's prepare our hearts. Let's start preparing our hearts now so that we come together that there is going to be, there will be no sin. If there's anything in our heart that is astray, a, a you know what? We can allow the Word of God to just cleanse us out. We can allow God's Word. So practically speaking, do you know how to cleanse your heart? Do you know where to go in the Word of God? We, we're here to help you. Maybe you need to find some help and say, Brian, I need some help dealing with my thought life. I need some help dealing with this or that. Get with your ABF pastor. Get with your discipler. Get with me. Get with somebody that knows God's word, that loves God's word, and we can help each other, right, draw closer to Christ. And so God is seriously, uh, is serious, I'm sorry, uh, about our worship. When we sin, <clears throat> it introduced, our sin gets introduced into the body, and it naturally causes problems. You know, in Corinth, there was problems in the church because there was problems in people's lives. And none of us are perfect. We are a hospital for sick people. I'm not asking anybody to clean up. I'm asking us to give up. Give up our will and take on the Lord's will. Allow him to cleanse us. You'll be surprised how merciful he is. Some of you guys, you need to repent of beating yourself up all the time. And you need to just rest in the mercy and the grace of God. You need to trust his word to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9 becomes a stumbling block. It says that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But then you don't believe it, right? And you continue in sin. And Paul said, don't, hey, don't continue in sin that grace may abound. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Something has gone wrong, and it's probably gone wrong in the area of faith. I had a friend one time I worked with, and uh, man, that's what he told me. He says, man, Brian, I go to the altar and I lay it down. He goes, but I, I don't even get, it's not long. I get right back up, I pick it up, and I take it back with me. All the regret and stuff of years past. Guys, I, 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 what I'm saying is that we're free. We're free men and women in Christ. There is nothing in your past that God can't forgive you of. If you need to make something right this week, go make it right. If you need to apologize to somebody, if you're the guy that's yelling at the lady, man, I'm sorry. I, uh, you know, Go tell her you're sorry. Write her a letter. Uh, tell the Lord. He'll forgive you. I forgive you. God forbid. You know, Just let, let it go. And let God be true, man, and let, and let him cleanse your heart. It's our, it's our love for God and one another that is so mission critical for our witness and our authenticity in an increasingly hateful and divided world. Did you know the world's getting increasingly hateful and divided? Or that's at least what you're being told in every media source that hits your face and your ears and your heart. But the truth of the matter is this. John 11, 13, 35 says, but this... this by this shall some men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. Oh, thank you. We got a Bible scholar here. Not some men, all men. By this shall all men know. All men. Beloved, one of the most powerful things that the church can do right now is do what we say all the time. I say it all the time, but it can just become a mantra. It's simply loving God. And loving people. Mark twelve thirty, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Man, if we take care of that first commandment, so many other things will take care of themselves. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for allowing us to meet this morning. Lord, I pray that you just bless your your people today. 
during the introduction a few weeks ago, I mentioned that God doesn't want leftovers. He gave all of us everything, and he deserves our all. Do you love God's word? Do you love God's people? 1 John 4.20 says, If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he's a liar, for he loveth not his brother whom he ha- if he loveth not his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God whom he hath not seen? Beloved, let's be honest this morning. If you have aught against a brother or a sister or a husband or a wife, it's time to get it right. We don't need to fake it till we make it. We don't need to be not take the Lord's Supper next week. We don't need to stay away. We need to come together. We need to come to Christ. We need to get the healing that we need. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, as we're in an attitude of prayer, we're standing together as one. One God, one Father, one Spirit, one Word. Lord, I pray, God, that you would unify your church, that you would unify the hearts of, of husbands with wives, with fathers with children, and mothers with children, children with parents. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would heal and, and unify relationships that are strained in the body of Christ. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would heal and, 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 and deal with relationships that are, um, Lord, uh, that are, are not what they need to be. Lord, that you would bring the supply even this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you're the, here this morning, you need to walk the aisle, do it. And nobody's watching, just do what you need to do. If you need to lay something down, right now is a great time to do that. Maybe you need to make a decision to, to join the church, get baptized. Hey, this is a great time to, to act on those things. Maybe you need to get discipled, what have you. But this morning, I also want to ask, man, if you just need some prayer, saying, Brian, I need some prayer. Amen. I pray, let's pray for each other. Heavenly Father, we want to pray for one another. Lord, uh, we've heard this, a lot of this we know. I didn't say anything today that we don't know. The Levites knew exactly what Malachi was saying, and they knew it was true. God, we need you. We need your, we need your grace. Lord, we want your, your mercy. We want your love. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would manifest your love not only to us but through us. Lord, that we would be able to use our lips <clears throat> to build the body of Christ, to build other people. And Lord, if we can't do that, if our lips can't bring themselves to utter truth and to utter grace and mercy and peace, oh, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts, that we would bring that heart to you. Lord, there are those in here I know that have needs that, that, uh, that are completely different from what I'm praying over. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would help each and every person in the way you can. Use your body, use your word, use the spirit of God to guide them and help them and renew them and refresh them today. Lord, thank you for your church. Thank you for your word. We pray a blessing on the reading, the hearing, and the application. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for coming this morning. I'm going to go ahead and have Steve come and close this out. And uh, we'll be ready to dismiss. Well, I don't know uh, how many of you have ever had an announcement in the bulletin, but 